You're listening to PetLifeRadio.com. You've had a long day at work, and you can't wait to just get home, take off your shoes, plop yourself down in your favorite chair, and relax. You walk up to your tranquil residential home and your neatly manicured lawn in your quiet suburban neighborhood, put the key in the lock, open the door, and... Yes, the pets have gone wild! What were you thinking? Welcome to the show about everything you always wanted to know about exotic pets. Where to get them, what to feed them, and how to care for them. You'll even find out why some people live with a monkey. Now, here's your host, exotic pet expert and author, Bob Tart. Hey, Bob, what were you thinking? Hi, I'm Bob Tart, author of the books Enslaved by Ducks and Follow Weather, and this is What Were You Thinking? a show about exotic pets. And on What Were You Thinking? We talk about anything other than cats and dogs. And I guess anything other than cats or dogs is what is considered an exotic pet. Uh, Today's guest is the exotic April Russo. And she lives in northern Indiana with, I I think I got this right, but she will correct me if I'm wrong, three cats, a Lab Chow Basset Hound Border Collie mix. That sounds like four or five dogs, but I guess it's just one. An African fat-tailed gecko three ball pythons, and two white Pekins, Pekin ducks. Sorry about that. Um, now, we haven't talked to anybody about snakes and geckos on What Were You Thinking? So that's why I invited April on the show. But we're going to talk about something else <laughs> to start with, which may surprise you a little bit. Hi, April. Hi. I'm April. Uh, I'm an avid duck enthusiast who loves all things furred and feathered. And I'll be talking to you about my experiences with three ball pythons and duck diapers. Oh, and that is, I'm glad you mentioned that. Now, who is sitting on your lap right now? This is KD. His name is uh, short for Kamikaze Duck because the girl who owned him last, um, jumped, he jumped off of her head when he was a baby. Uh, and he's a pampered indoor duck who wears duck diaper harnesses. Okay, now, we'll talk about the duck diapers. How did you get um, Kamikaze's his full name? What do you call him? Uh, I just call him KD. Okay, and Kamikaze Duck. How did how did you get a hold of KD? Um, I'm a member of the Pet Ducks R Us um, dot com Yahoo group. Uh, that is a big group of a bunch of crazy people like me who have pet ducks at home. And um, someone had told me that someone in Blue Springs, Missouri, eight hours away, uh, needed a new home for their duck, and I volunteered, and so he drove six hours, and I drove two. Wow. What what kind of a duck is it? It's called a roan. Oh, it's spelled R-O-U-E-N, but it's a roan, and it basically looks like a big mallard. Yeah, yeah. They're, some of them are quite large, aren't they? He's actually pretty small. Is he? Okay. All right. And now you mentioned the duck diapers, and I had heard about that um, a couple years ago. Somebody told me about that, but I, I didn't really know anybody who used them before. So why don't you why don't you talk a little bit about the duck diapers? It's an ingenious idea thought of by Nancy Townsend. Um, she has a cool website where you can buy them, and you can also get them on avianfashions.com. Okay, avianfashions.com. Thanks. Okay. And her website has a lot of, like, pet duck resources, and she has the only book on raising pet ducks inside and outside, um, and she has a lot of really neat accessories. Would you like her website, too? I haven't seen her website. That sounds good. Yeah, give it to me. It's 
called thegoosesmother.com. Okay, thegoosesmother.com. Okay, I, I will have to check that out. So do you do you have a lot of house ducks? Are, are, you mentioned you have a couple white pecans. Are those indoor ducks, outdoor ducks, or what are they? They were indoor ducks for the first two months of their lives, and now they live outdoors in a big, uh, pretty duck pen. And I have one indoor duck right now. Um, my, I'm just trying to think of whether or not I'm going to keep him indoors or not, but he seems to really love being indoors with people. He thinks that he's a person. Yeah. And that's in addition to KD, the other duck you're talking about? No, that is KD. Oh, that is KD. Yeah, yeah, well. Oh, you can probably (laughs) (laughs) I think I hear him. Does he like people a lot? He loves people. Uh, He's only been at my house for, this is the first day he's been at my house. He got here last night, and um, he's been following around me and my mom this morning. Oh, boy, where do you keep him? Uh, right now, he's living in a 35-gallon um, container in my room that's turned on its side, and he wears a diaper, and he can just walk around my room as much as he wants, and he was pretty much just hanging around last night and running around my room and surprisingly didn't cause much havoc for a duck. Yeah. Now, I get a lot of emails from people, and I think I've probably heard from not more than maybe 10 people who have house ducks. Do you know how widespread that might be? Um, if you go on to the website that I, uh, the what, Yahoo group that I uh, am on, yeah, that's I want to join that because it has a lot of great information about anyone who has ducks. Anytime I, anytime I tried to join a Yahoo group, I have problems with the password and the login because it seems like if you don't renew them every couple months or something, or they want to change them, I don't know what it is, but I always get messed up. But uh, you're probably smarter than I am, so you you don't I have. Can coach you through it if you need to. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, it's, we had, I think we have about 900 members on the group, and not all of them are active, but tons of them have outdoor ducks and tons of them have indoor ducks. Some of them, you know, started out just having outdoor ducks, but then one of them got injured, so they had to bring them indoors, and now they just love it. Yeah, yeah, well, they're, they're very fun animals. How often do you change the duck diapers? Um, every one to two hours, sometimes up to three, depends on how much he's been eating, and um, it also depends on the diet of the duck. If the duck is on a lower-protein diet like they should be, like on a um, grower pellet, um, by Purina, things like that, um, with about 12% protein, they shouldn't need to be changed more than every hour or two. But if they're on a really high-protein diet, like this guy, when I got him, he was on a um, uh, game bird, and that has too high of protein, mm-hmm. so it makes the poo a lot worse and a mm-hmm. lot more. Now, for people who don't have experience with ducks, you definitely need diapers if they're going to be in your house because they poop like about every 12 minutes, don't they? Yeah, pretty much. Um, some don't. When they get a little bit older, it's not as bad. But, yeah, um, no bird has a sphincter muscle, which is the muscle that lets them control whether or not they go. Yeah. And so without diapers, any bird is just going to, all over your house. <laughs> That's right. So, so you buy the harness, and then what do you use for the actual diaper? You can use either a level three, usually baby diaper, or um, maxi pads. Okay. And they both work really well. Okay, well, that's a great tip for people who maybe have a duck in the house for short-term or long-term or whatever. So, um, boy, I wish you a lot of luck with um, uh, <laughs> Kamikaze Dub with KD. He sounds great. He is a male, right? Yeah, he's a sweet little guy. Yeah, I, I should know he's a male. I heard that quiet little little quack. Um, yeah. Let's talk about your pythons for a minute, and tell me how you got into them. Um, well, my boyfriend and I 
really liked snakes. Um, he had always wanted a ball python, and so we started looking into it. Um, we did some research and made sure we knew everything that we needed to get for them, and then we got the cage all set up. And there was actually a pet store right down the street from us, and um, we kept looking in there and looking in there, and uh, we finally found a ball python that we liked. And we got him um, around two years ago, and he is the sweetest thing. He loves to be handled. He's very, um, he's a very nice snake. He's not at all aggressive. And that's the, that's the greatest thing about ball pythons. They're really good beginner snakes because they're not at all aggressive. They ball up. That's, hence the name. Whenever they're scared, they put their head underneath themselves and they make themselves into a ball. They're very nice snakes and so that's why we chose them. They only get up to five feet too when they're full grown and that takes a really long time. Okay, what color are they? Um, they're a mottled color of brown with some tan and black. Um, our first snake, Sophia, is a male, but we didn't know that. Um, he's the first one we got, and he has um, light tan and yellow and light brown and black, and his markings are quite remarkable. Yeah, that sounds very nice. The second snake we got, she's a little bit more drab, but she um, she actually had some problems when we got her because we didn't know that she wasn't captive bred when we bought her, but apparently she was live, she was caught in the wild. So the problem with those is they oftentimes have huge problems eating when you get them in captivity. You mean they don't want to eat or they want a certain kind of live food? No, they do not want to eat. We had her for 11 months before she finally decided to eat. Oh, that's a long time. How how long do snakes usually go without eating, these pythons? Well, ball pythons are notorious for not eating on a regular schedule or just not eating at all. Um, normally, you feed them once every week or once every two weeks, but the longest records of a ball python not eating is like 22 months. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Um, normally, they can go up to 12 months without any detriment um, to their health, and we were just happy to get her to eat. And the way we finally got her to eat was we tried force feeding. Um, You really need specialized reptile. Someone who knows a lot about reptiles, a good herpetologist, can help you out with that. And we had been taught how to do it with one of our other snakes before, and we knew how to do it with her. So even though the force feeding failed, what did happen is it ended up getting her to use some of her um, digestive juices. Ah. So it got her hungry again. Oh, that's great. Now, I have another friend named April, and she has a couple of boa constrictors. I forget what kind she said they are, but they were they were very gentle. I think they had red in the name somewhere. I'm, I'm not oh, sure. Oh, yeah, uh, red-tailed boa, probably. Yeah, I think so. Um, how are pythons different than boa constrictors? Do you know? It really isn't. It's just, um, I really think that it's just a size system, but I'm not really positive. They're all constrictors. They all constrict their prey. And there really isn't a huge difference. Pretty much the only difference I've seen between most pythons and most boas is that pythons are a bit smaller. But I think there's one kind of python that will that is actually bigger than boas, too. Okay. Now, now I'm really obsessed with birds. I, there's just something about them. I see a bird and just some light goes on in my head or something, and I'm just crazy about them. And, uh, you know, some people are that way about snakes. And, and I'm wondering, really, maybe what the attraction 
of a snake is for you, or maybe you could tell me something about their personalities. You know, you know, um, you know one of the attractions of the snakes is, you know how you always say that it's impossible for you to leave because you have to take care of all the animals? Right. All we have to do is have the light on an on-off cycle on a timer plugged in, and that's pretty much it. We can leave for probably up to a month without having to do anything for the snakes. Wow. If you get someone to go in and put some water in their cage, they're fine. Yeah, that's a lot different than birds, I tell you that. They're extremely low maintenance. It's one of the big perks. Now, do you notice a lot of difference in personality from python to python? Because you, you've got three of these guys. Uh, did you say one's a female? Yes. The one female we had is ex- we have is extremely timid. She was even afraid of her food when we first got her. If anything walked up to her face, she'd recoil and just be mortified. The other two, um, Ayami is the little one, and when the snake is young and they're not too used to being handled, they're a lot more skittish and they'll start, you know, once they warm up, they'll be very active and trying to get away all the time. And the other two that are older will just sit around your shoulders and sit on your arm and just hang out with you, and they really enjoy being on people because they're warm. Yeah, that, that's what I want to ask you. Um, birds... Birds love people. <laughs> At least our birds love us, and, and you know that about your ducks, too, is that they enjoy your company. Do you get that feeling with the pythons? Sort of. They have a choice of whether or not they can stay on us, and I choose to. I do know that there are a lot meaner snakes and a lot of snakes that really don't want anything to do with people, and these don't really seem to be that way. They really do seem to enjoy um, being around people, and I'd even venture to say that some of them actually are cuddly. Yeah. Strange as that sounds. Yeah, well, I met <laughs> I met a boa constrictor once that, um, I think his name was Vigo, that was uh, April's boa constrictor, and he would actually lay his head down in my hand, and she said that, you know, that's something snakes do when they're feeling affectionate, and I thought he was very nice. So yeah. so that that made me think a little bit differently about snakes. I, I, I thought, well, you know, maybe there's something really to them that, you know, I hadn't thought of before. Yeah. They're they're interesting animals to observe. Um, they're very easy to take care of. There isn't a lot that you need to be able to do for them. You just need to keep the temperature around, I think it's 80 degrees during the day, 85, and you need to keep it between like 75 and 80 at night. They're really easy to take care of, and they're they can be really, really nice animals. One thing that you really want to make sure that you don't do, though, is feed them in their cage. You have to take them out into a different cage to feed them. Otherwise, they can get a little bit aggressive. And so they'll start thinking that every time you put your hand in the cage that you're trying to feed them, and they might get aggressive and start trying to bite. Oh, okay. So then they would associate your hand coming in the cage with food, and then they might yep. bite bite you or something. Okay. Yep. All right. We're going to um, take a quick break. Uh, you're listening to What Were You Thinking? And we will be right back with April Russo. What Were You Thinking? We'll be right back after Bob gets the ducks out of his living room. Don't go away. Want to know what cats like to eat for breakfast? Mice Krispies, of course. Learn everything there is to know about cats on Catitude with your host, Tom Dock. Each week, we'll spotlight a cool cat breed, give up-to-date advice on cat health, and check out spiffy new cat products. So curl up on the couch every week for a perfectly enjoyable time on Catitude, 
every week on demand only on PetLifeRadio.com. Pets are part of the family, and when traveling with your dog, there's only one magazine to include when packing your doggy's duffel bag, and that's Fido Friendly, the travel and lifestyle magazine for you and your dog. Each bi-monthly issue includes hotel, city and state reviews, and doggy destinations to explore with your furry companion. Fido Friendly magazine can be found at Borders, Barnes & Noble, PetSmart, Pet Boutiques, and Fido Friendly hotels nationwide. Or you can go online to subscribe at www.fidofriendly.com. So get traveling with your pet today and leave no dog behind. And remember, Fido Friendly's the only magazine dedicated to the travel lifestyle of man's best friend and the one magazine your dog will thank you for. Welcome to Pet Planet. Here's a copy of Pet Planet Magazine, Florida's most informative and fun pet resource magazine. It features heartwarming stories and informative articles from local and national pet experts. Excellent. Pet Planet Magazine offers Operation Planet Rescue, helping rescued pets find new homes. And it's available at 500 locations in South and Central Florida and 24-7 on the Internet at PetPlanetMagazine.com. If you're out and about with your pet, you may be featured in paparazzi, candid pictures of you and your pet. For up-to-date pet-friendly events, activities, and pet-related services and products, Pet Planet Magazine is your final destination. I shall take this magazine home with me. Back to your home planet? No, to my condo in Boca. Pet Planet Magazine. Check them out at www.petplanetmagazine.com or 352-394-8578. It's out of this world. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Okay, ducks are in the pond, rabbits in his hutch, and monkeys... Ow! In my car! Oh, okay, well, I go check my insurance policy. We'll turn you back over to Bob. Hi, welcome back to What Were You Thinking? And we're talking to April Russo about her ball pythons. And you were telling me that you have three of them and that they make uh, pretty pretty darn good pets. What, what uh, kind of, do you have them in something like a terrarium or, you know, what is their cage or their container like? What you want to do for young snakes is you want to keep them in a cage, usually no bigger than a 10-gallon. And that's good even up for up to two snakes um, as long as they're both small. Because when they're in a cage that's too big, um, and it is just a normal 10-gallon glass terrarium, but you have to have um, the locking clips on the top because they're escape artists and they will. Oh, know. I I bet they are. Have, have your snakes gotten out? Uh, one of them once. Uh, my boyfriend's brother uh, had a corn snake that got out, and we never saw that again. Yeah. But the only snake that has gotten out is our female big mama. Uh, she crawled out the top one time when we were feeding the other snake um, that lived with her, Sophia. And um, she crawled out and somehow managed to walk around three wine glasses and a lamp without knocking anything over. And I'm like, oh, no, where's the big snake? And I look on the nightstand and there's the huge snake trying to blend in. So that was quite an outing for her. Oh, yes. (laughs) Yeah. And you also have 
Now, this is an odd name. I've never heard of a fat-tailed gecko. Um, yeah, she's an African fat-tailed gecko. Um, they're a very docile kind of gecko. It's a nice, it's a very nice kind of uh, lizard to have because they're very docile. They do enjoy companionship, and you can actually tell with them because they'll crawl on you and they'll just perch on your shoulder and things like that. They really like companionship, especially the more you hold them. No kidding. Now, do they do they like being petted or or yeah. not? They actually enjoy it. They actually arch their back kind of like a cat. It's really funny. Wow. Now, how big do these get? They only get to be about eight inches long adult. Yeah. So that's not very big. It's not something that you need a huge tank for. Um, a 10 or 20 gallon will do when they're uh, by the time they're adult. And what do they eat? They eat crickets. Oh, okay. Um, just mainly crickets. Um, you can also give them some kinds of um, mealworms and waxworms and things like that, but pretty much they just want crickets. Do you keep the food in the cage constantly, or are there just certain feeding no. days? You feed them. Um, you can feed them every day or every other day or once a week. It depends on how old they are. If they're an adult, you usually feed them about once a week. Um, if they're juvenile, you feed them a little more often. And if you leave the crickets in the cage constantly, crickets can actually kill a lizard. Yeah, you sent me an email about that, and you um, did have a, a lizard that was killed. Did you? Was that another gecko? Yeah, it was a little toke gecko. Those ones can get huge, and he was... Uh, they're very vicious geckos, so I'm really, really surprised about it. He was usually the one that stuck around the top of the cage because he had um, he had more gripping uh, hands. African fat tails don't. They're not. They don't have the same kind of hands, so they can't walk up glass. But the toke did, and he stuck near the top. But some for some reason he might have fallen or something, and the crickets mauled him and overtook him. Oh, how many crickets were in the cage with them, or the container? Uh, about two dozen, oh, which wow. is usually what I fed them, and it yeah. was usually enough for the two of them. That ever happened before? So you're telling me you can go away for a while with the pythons, but it doesn't sound like you can do that with the geckos. That you can't just leave them. That you you can't. You can because um, they're reptiles, so if they go a couple weeks without eating, they're still fine. Oh, okay. It's really nice and really low maintenance. I was wondering what kind of interaction your dog <laughs> has. Is is the dog interested in the snake or the snakes or the gecko? Um, we've never let her near the gecko because the gecko is way too small, and the snakes actually live at my boyfriend's house. Oh, okay. They're... Okay. All right. I just wondered if the dog had gotten in the room where the gecko is, and you know, kind of, kind of checked it out or not. Um, our the little dog that lives at my boyfriend's house is Toy Rat Terrier, and um, she actually was a little bit interested in the snakes, and we're going, yeah, it's a good thing our snakes aren't a little bit bigger. It might try and eat the dog. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Yeah. Well, tell me a little bit about the um, duck rescue that you do. Um, this started earlier last uh, earlier this year. I saw a little female mallard in the middle of the road. It had been hit, and so I doubled back around, and I picked it up, and I took it in my car back to a vet that I know. He does a lot of rehab work for a lot of ducks. He'll do it for mallards and also domesticated ducks, which is a really good thing because a lot of wildlife rehabbers won't touch domestic duck because it doesn't fall into their range of what they can help. Right. And even though it is a duck, it's domestic, and so they can't help it, but they also can't release it, and they can't do anything with it. So a lot of them won't help you. So I took her to him, and it turned out that even though she'd been hit by a car, she was just grazed, and she ended up being fine the next day. And so they were able to release her successfully, and that was good. 
And where where did you keep her? Oh, I kept her in a box overnight, and then I just took them to the took her to the bed the next morning. Okay, but you do have room for some ducks where you live. Yes. You you do have outdoor space, as you were saying. So mm-hmm. so that's nice. That's nice that you're set up like that. Mm-hmm. I actually live in um, a neighborhood, but we have a nice kind of big backyard, and so we built a nice duck house. The other two ducks that I had had that I had rescued were from Ball State campus um, in Muncie, Indiana. One of them was a white pecan duck that had been dumped. Actually, all of them were white pecan ducks that had been dumped. And one of them had a fractured leg and a broken wing and a sinus infection. And so we took him to the vet three hours away. And then another duck also had a a broken-off bill and a slight limp. And so we ended up having to take her to the vet as well. So they've both been rehabbed, and he also finds them good, loving, forever homes that aren't going to eat them. That's great. Um, and it's it's a good thing to talk about that duck dumping is really a big problem. It really is. I, um, I've noticed that in our area, you can hardly find a pond or you know river in a populated area where you don't see at least a couple of domesticated ducks mixed in with the mallards. And, you know, it's other places, it's it's even worse that you'll see a lot of domesticated ducks. Actually, that's something to talk about. It's a lot of people don't know the difference between domestic ducks and wild ducks. The big white ducks that you see out on lakes, those are actually domesticated ducks called white pecans. They can't fly. They don't really have any defense system. And once that lake freezes, they have nowhere to go. So they most likely will die. Mm-hmm. Yep, um, and the same if you see um, sort of larger brown-looking ducks that don't look like the female mallards, or um, those are often khaki Campbells. The males have a have a darker head, and the same thing with the khaki Campbells; they can't fly. In fact, yeah. a lot of domesticated ducks are bred so that they can't fly away because they're bred for food, and yeah. so it, it is a big problem. Yeah, it, it's it's an escalating problem, and I try and help wherever I can by rescuing as many ducks as I can and taking them to Dr. Reed at Westchester Animal Clinic in uh, Westchester, which is like right in Chesterton. He does good rehab work. Even if the animal isn't really sick, he'll find it a new home. He'll, you know, do a little bit of vet check and stuff, you know, and make sure that it's okay and healthy. And then he'll find it a new home. And that's a really good thing because it's really rare to find someone who will help domestic ducks. So I do my part and I try and find I don't go out looking for them, but when I do hear about them and I find them and I see them, I try and catch them and get them a good home because they really need it. They, You don't want to dump domestic ducks. This happens all spring. Moms and dads will bring home little baby ducks for their kid. It happens with chickens and bunnies, too, where, you know, oh, look, it's a cute Easter present, and then all of a sudden they have a big duck, and it's stinky, and it's dirty, and... It's a lot more work than they have to sign on for, so they think, hey, it's a duck. I can just dump it at the lake. It'll be fine. You know, it can defend for itself. You know, there are other ducks here. I'm sure it'll be okay. We it's- should mention they're, they're not really stinky and dirty. They, they might seem like that in the house, but they're, yeah. really, they're no worse than any other animal. No, not really. But when you have them in a house, which is how these all start out, <laughs> they get pretty bad. Yeah, they do. It gets bad fast. Yeah, they do. Uh, a lot of the ducks we have are rescues that um, came from Wildlife Rehab Center in Grand Rapids, and they do take in a few domesticated ducks. Not too many, but they take in a few because uh, 
uh, Peg and Roger Markle, they have really big hearts, and they end up keeping some of them, and we, we've ended up with some of them, too. So um, that's a very good message for people. If you're thinking about getting a duck as a pet, I think you better think again, unless you have the proper setup to keep a duck happy, and it's not an easy thing to do, and some breeds of ducks can live up to 30 years. So, you know, that's that's quite a commitment. So I would encourage people to um, stick with cats and dogs or, or something that they're comfortable with rather than, you know, getting a duck. I wouldn't exactly say the same thing. I'd say do your research. Make sure you can commit to taking care of this animal and then consider it because these do make amazing pets. They're extremely intelligent. You can teach them tricks like a dog. They learn their name and they'll follow you around. They're really neat animals, but you need to make sure you can take care of them because if you can't build them a predator-proof pen with using hardware cloth, which is basically like big screen, quarter-inch hardware cloth, a raccoon will get in and it will eat them. Or else he'll reach it. Yeah, he can reach his paw in, too. Yeah, we have one of our shows, uh, either our second or third episode, uh, Linda and I talk about everything you need to uh, keep ducks, and you definitely need a top on the pen, and uh, you just, you know, you really have to have to be careful, you know, and make sure you keep them safe. And, yeah, they make great pets, and I would say if you do your research and decide you want a duck, it would be great if you could contact a rehabber or a vet or the Humane Society and, you know, take in some homeless duck that, that needs a place to live. Even if you want to get a duck um, in the springtime and you want a baby duck, honestly, there are tons that need adopting even as babies, too. Um, check on PetFinder.com and check veterinarians near you and places like that and adopt a duck before deciding to go out and buy one. There are a lot of homeless ducks that really need a good second home. That's absolutely, yeah, I absolutely agree with you. Well, April, thanks so much for being on the show. Uh, it was really fun hearing about the duck diapers and the pythons and your fat-tailed gecko. And it's always good to tell people about the ups and downs of keeping ducks as pets. Well, that's it for this week's episode of What Were You Thinking? And I'd like to thank April for being on the show. And I'd also like to warn you that next week there is a very special episode of What Were You Thinking? And it's one, you know, usually people say next week's episode is one you won't want to miss. Well, next week's episode is one you might want to miss because it is an appearance by book character Bill Holm. And book character Bill Holm is a character and an actual person in both of my books, Enslaved by Ducks and Foul Weather. And whenever Bill shows up, seems to be a lot of chaos and disorder. And that's exactly what happens on next week's show. So uh, you might just want to listen to something else instead. In the meantime, if you would like to be a guest on What Were You Thinking? And, you know, just like April did, all you have to do is send me an email. Send an email to bob at petliferadio.com. That's bob at petliferadio.com. And tell me a little bit about your exotic pet. And that would be anything except a dog or a cat. Tell me what's interesting about your pet. You know, what kind of stories that you have. And you might be my next guest. Thanks so much to my very mysterious producers. 
And thanks to you for listening. And I know Linda hasn't been on this week at least, but uh, we'll be hearing back from her shortly. Just try and keep her away from the microphone. Bye-bye. Thinking about buying a monkey? How about a ferret or a skunk? Then check out the show that will answer the burning questions, where do you get them? What do you feed them? How do you take care of them? And most of all, what were you thinking? With exotic pet expert and author Bob Tart, every week on demand from PetLifeRadio.com.